You must go back. Oh, Mother, you can't ask me to do that. Please let me stay. I beg you. Maria, these walls were not built to shut out problems. You have to face them. You have to live the life you were born to live. Hey, cassettes, and welcome back to the Black Case Diaries. Oh, hey! Yeah. Oh, God. Every time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're three old friends learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Robin. I'm here with Marcy. And Adam. Yay. <laughs> of course. Of course <laughs> it is. <laughs> Who else would it be? <laughs> so how do you solve a problem like covering the sound of music? Well, you cut your episode into two parts, of course. Obviously. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Last week, we covered the first half of the film, ending at intermission. We saw the Von Trapps at their party with the children singing a farewell song to the guests. After Maria discovers that she and the captain are in love, with the help of the Baroness, of course, mm-hmm. she has returned to the Abbey. So we're going to pick up right where we left off, discussing the remaining songs of the film. When I was watching, it was hard for me to decide or or to understand why she left right away because there were a couple of reasons. Like I thought, is the Baroness like sneakily making her leave, just making Mm -hmm. her feel bad? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. Is she feel, does she feel guilty because she wants to still be a nun really badly? Yeah, mm-hmm. like you know, I, I think that was it. I think so. Or she just yeah. afraid of falling in love? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think it was because she went there as part of something that the mother abbess told her to mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. It was for God. She was there because right. God asked her to be there. Essentially, is what she believed mm-hmm. and. She's like, I have these feelings, and I'm supposed to become yeah. a nun. Yeah, I shouldn't it makes, have these feelings. Yeah, it's like it's almost like she sinned because yes. right. she mm-hmm. has she wasn't there for that reason, mm-hmm. and then she's there for that reason. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of I think that was yeah. her biggest concern. I think that's why yeah. she went back. Scared her. So obviously, we're picking up right after the intermission, which is hilarious that it's still in this movie. Yeah, I get thrown <laughs> off every time. I love it when old movies had an intermission and they yeah. keep the intermission yes. in like the final DVD mm-hmm. cut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> it's like awesome. Cool. And it, yeah. But they don't keep it in long enough to actually like let you do anything. Right. So they, right. they keep it in to show you that it was there, that it happened. Mm-hmm. And then you can't actually get you leave it running and mm-hmm. go to the bathroom. Like, no. It's not enough time. You, you have to like pause it. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of funny because the welcome back part of yeah. the intermission was it was longer than the like <laughs> goodbye go ahead and do your stuff part, <laughs> you know yeah it's like i, agree. I guess people yeah. getting into their seats took a long time i don't know <laughs> yeah but anyways the first song that comes up after that intermission is the sound of music reprise yeah yeah the second half of the film opens at the exterior of the von trapp villa they couldn't use the real house for the film so they used the historical Fronberg Palace. The building is actually a musical conservatory. They had to change a lot of the exterior, like adding gates and trimming shrubs and trees to make it look like a private home. It, it, we talked a lot about sets in part one, mm-hmm. and it's still it just keeps going, man. The the work that was done is amazing mm-hmm. because yeah, it all looks. Like it's taking place yeah. in the same exact and place. It's no. not. Yeah. yeah. But it's so many different places. <laughs> yeah. The editing is so good too. Yeah. Like you just, uh, I think in this scene, in one of the scene that's coming up, there is a moment where Von Trapp, it was in one location and she was in another. 
and they were having an, a conversation across two different locations, and they just edited it together. Incredible. So <laughs> so cohesive yeah. looking, and yet you're like, they're totally different places. Right? What yeah. is going on? It's wild. The Sound of Music reappears several times in the film. This time, the children sing it to Uncle Max and the Baroness as they try to get over Maria's departure. This scene illustrates how miserable the family is without her, especially the captain. We also see the Baroness struggle to connect with the children, even as the captain announces their engagement. Mm-hmm. He comes out, he's got kind of a bitter look on his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and he's kind of very bitterly like, oh, hello, future wife. Super <laughs> excited to marry you. And yeah. uh, here's my kids. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, gee, life's great. You and- know, it, it's kind of a bummer when that happens. Mm-hmm. Well, one, because you feel very bad for the Baroness. Mm-hmm. But before Maria showed up, it seemed like it was going much better. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? They. He he even gave some kind of talk. He was like, "You saved me from depression or something like that." Yeah, along those lines, yeah. you know. He's basically crediting her for bringing him out of his funk, right? Mm-hmm. So it it was going well. Yeah, like they seemed to have chemistry, but it, then Maria shows up. Yeah, it was like he was happy, but then he saw something better. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like when new game consoles come out. You're just like, oh, right, I yeah. can't look at my my current one exactly anymore. Right. <laughs> it's exactly like that. It's, yeah, yeah. Aww. They illustrated what, that well in this 1955 film. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what love really is. Yeah, it's truly about game consoles. It, I mean. <laughs> I think Christopher Palmer did a really good job with this scene because this is the only scene where we actually see how miserable everybody is. They don't Mm -hmm. drive it home, right? We Mm -hmm. just see it one time. And I know that he had a very difficult time playing this character. And some people watched this movie and saw this as him just not being a good actor. But I I feel like he really channeled that sourness Mm -hmm. into these scenes really well. Mm -hmm. Like I think he did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. And, And again, I feel so bad. Because, like, you can see the Baroness still trying. Yeah. She's, like, hanging yes. on to that thread. Yeah. She's like, oh, I'm still here. She tries to, you know, play ball with the kids. Yes. And she says she's going to send them to boarding school. And then she, oh, my yeah. gosh. Which yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. No. <laughs> that was the one thing. Because it's like she's trying to be, you know, motherly-ish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? But then says that. And it's like, oh, well, you're just not going to try anymore? All right. The next song is Climb Every Mountain. Yay. When the children come to see Maria at the Abbey, they pull a rope to alert the nuns that they're at the gate. The rope was a prop, but the Abbey liked the prop so well they asked to keep it. As far as everyone in the movie knows, it's still there. Oh. That's amazing. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess if it was a cloistered Abbey, they didn't need a doorbell. Yeah. They, didn't want- right. <laughs> they, they, they don't want visitors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How do you become one? there if you can't oh, like go in uh, that's a good question i don't know well, like sl- slide a letter yeah. under the door yeah. like. <laughs> they were allowed to go into the courtyard so i'm sure you could meet them there and ask questions more like or... they came out to you kind of yeah that's how it is with nuns you know yeah yeah you know you're really on their yeah, time you, you don't want to scare them away you <laughs> right. know you want... they're a skittish bunch yeah. if any nuns are listening we're sorry <laughs> yeah we're sorry <laughs> When Robert Wise saw The Sound of Music, the the play, he felt that the performance of Climb Every Mountain was so powerful it made him want to hide under his chair. So it was almost like in your face. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Mother Abbas sang the song out toward the audience, which is common for a stage musical. He felt that for the screen, he needed to shoot a much more subtle performance, 
he knew that if the character sang into the lens, it would be too intense for a film. In the play, this is a huge show-stopping number. For the film, it's more like a quiet, guiding voice. Although she isn't singing, the song is more about how Maria reacts to it, and so the camera focuses more on her. Never does Mother Abbess look into the camera as she sings, making the song feel more natural and passive. I agree. It's more of just like, imagine her not singing and yeah. just giving Maria advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in this case, it was singing. It's yeah. one of those non-diegetic songs almost, yeah. where she's not really hearing singing, mm-hmm. but we are. Yeah, and she's looking out the window. She's being right. pensive. Yeah. It's a very darkly lit scene, you know, there's lots of really strong shadows, and it, it's very, very dramatic. Mm-hmm. Also, her looking away also helped disguise the fact that she wasn't actually singing. As we mentioned last week, Peggy Wood wasn't able to do her own singing. Marjorie McKay provided the singing voice for Mother Abbess. This is the song where they were like, we have got to get you a different voice. Mm-hmm. But she did go to the recordings so that way she could see how to act the scene. Yeah. But yeah, she turned away from the camera and, and that helps a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Julie Andrews cried because the scene was so important for her character. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And in the very beginning of the scene, Mother Abbess is welcoming a new postulant. When Maria returns to the children in the next scene, she is wearing the street clothes of that woman. Oh, really? Yeah. Which is a really cool I, little I detail. Didn't make that yeah. connection. Yeah. It's so oh, so subtle. Yeah. She walks in, and Mother Abbess says, "Sister, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> send her to the robing room." And so they take her away, and she's wearing the dress that in the next scene when Maria c- returns, she's wearing that dress, wow. which further drives home the point that they do not have regular street clothes there at the yeah, Abbey. Yeah, they just give it up. No, yeah. yeah, and that's just, that's why, you know, when she first shows up at the Von Trapps, mm-hmm. so she's like, oh, yes, the poor didn't want this dress, you know. Mm-hmm. The next song was Something Good. Christopher Plummer had a very difficult time playing Captain Von Trapp. He wanted to play the part in a cynical way, but the role called for him to be sentimental. He was with screenwriter Ernie Lehman when he wrote the scene, just before something good. He felt that Ernie really deepened the relationships of the characters. Yeah, I watched the scene again today, and him and the Baroness are out on the balcony, and really it's the captain who calls off the engagement. Yeah. Uh, And he just kind of looks at her and is like, I can't do this anymore i can't pretend like i want to marry you Mm -hmm. and she stops him and she's just like look i know yeah and and there he did a good job with this whole the scene where she says you know there's a young woman out there who i fear will never be a nun Mm -hmm. and he gets this like look of surprise on his face (laughs) are you really surprised Uh, like (laughs) she can tell are you serious but he yeah he like he's surprised then he kind of smiles like oh i guess you got me you You got me oh yep oh you (laughs) oh you former fiance go inside and pack your bags yeah (laughs) and then she says something like there's a guy out there who will rely on me or something like that. Yeah, she says, you're too independent. I need Mm -hmm. someone who really needs me. Yeah. Yeah. Or needs my money. Yeah. Right. Jokingly, like, (laughs) yes. Because I am rich. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I didn't need to marry you because of your money. Yes. I just liked you. Yeah. 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 Which, again, kind of a bummer for her, right? Yeah, Yeah. it is. She just really liked him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
This song takes place in and around the same gazebo as 16 going on 17, with much darker lighting and little to no choreography. It's a great way to represent the difference in maturity between the two songs. Yeah. So at the end of 16 going on 17, Mm -hmm. Lizzo and Rolf have that kiss, right? And she's like, (laughs) which I think is hilarious. It is. You're so so right. It's It's so so funny. Yeah. And (laughs) And that son of a gun just like skitters away. Like, get back here. What did you you take responsibility for what you just done? (laughs) Excuse me? Don't leave her hanging like that. (laughs) So uh, at the end of that scene, they kiss, right? And it's Mm -hmm. a much more like childlike thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very uh, almost innocent, right? Mm -hmm. She's like ending the age of innocence and going on into a womanhood. That's what the song's about, right? Right. And this is a love song between two adults. Mm -hmm. And it also ends with a kiss. And it's very, and it's pretty much in the exact same location. Mm -hmm. Um, The framing is similar, but the gazebo is not lit up this time. There's no, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, this is a very stark contrast between teenagers and adults. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's much more serious, much more grounded in reality, not so, like, fun, fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They don't both go wee off. (laughs) Yeah. Into, into the sunset. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or that, her rain. They yeah. end with that funny line where he says, is there somebody I need to ask oh, yes. for your hand? Oh, yeah. And she's like, the children? And she's like, maybe we should ask the kids. I love that. And then yeah. yes. like, in the next scene, it cuts immediately to the wedding. Like, yeah. the kids said yes. Okay. Of course they did, yeah. <laughs> the next song we have is The Processional, or Mar- slash Maria. The wedding of Maria and Captain Georg was filmed in the Basilica at Monsi. It's a very popular wedding venue today, actually, and 600 locals appeared in this scene to fill out the crowd. And the actual bishop of the abbey stood in as the officiant. Very nice. Yeah, pretty That's cool. pretty cool. A beautiful place. It really is. And I'm not surprised that people want to get married there. Yeah. yeah. Probably did before this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, certain Absolutely. It. They said it was one of the rare places, the rare churches that would let you film inside. <laughs> During the 50th anniversary, the priest or so there said that eight weddings can happen in a, in a day. Wow. So, yeah. It is very popular. Quick. Those are quick <laughs> Dude, weddings. Yeah. I was just going to say. Like, yeah. The entire scene was all shot in one day, which was contrary to many of the other scenes we've talked about. Wow, yeah. (laughs) In real life, Maria and the captain were married at Nonberg Abbey. Yay. Nice. What a cute idea. That's so cute. Yeah. But they couldn't fit 600 people no. in Nonberg Abbey, <laughs> right. so they had to put them in that church I instead. wonder how many they were even allowed to let in. Yeah, I just don't a know. Few, probably. It was yeah. probably just the kids. Probably. Yeah. The song we hear in this scene is a beautiful choral version of Maria. As we have said before, this film uses reprises to great effect. It's a perfect callback to the nuns and their frustration with Maria early on in the film and also serves as their way of saying goodbye to her. How do you solve a problem like Maria? Well, maybe Maria wasn't the problem. Yeah. Obviously, she wasn't the issue. (laughs) Right. She was just in the wrong place. Yeah. 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 It just wasn't the quote-unquote problem wasn't going to be solved by their means because of Mm -hmm. her just not belonging. Yeah. Erwin Kostel was the composer and arranger for the film. 
and weaved the themes of its songs seamlessly throughout. In scenes where there isn't a reprise, the music is still there, reminding the audience of how the characters feel. All of it was arranged so beautifully. And Erwin Costell was, he did it the same thing for, I think, West Side Story and Mary Poppins. Mm. Wow. And he is also, if you recognize his name, he's a Disney legend, apparently. Oh, so. shit. When the camera pans upward out of the church, we hear the notes of the processional fade away and into the foreboding ring of church bells. The bells work as an audio and visual metaphor for the end of happier times. As the camera pans down, we see the Nazi flag. Yes. The camera goes up and up and up and up and we see the bells and we have kind of this little montage of bells ringing mm-hmm. and they ended on this kind of sourish sounding bell and it you know we all know right for whom the bell tolls right, mm-hmm. right. time is up yeah and it's it's a great reveal because it's yeah. all you know we've mm-hmm. all been kind of in the back of our mind the whole movie yep. just mm-hmm. knowing of the time period you're like any minute now yeah yeah, yeah. what's right. happening you know, there've been hints about it, like people at the party were talking about it, and mm-hmm. it's just like it's it's coming. Yep. And then boom, yeah, there it is for real now. So the next song here is sixteen going on seventeen reprise. After Maria and the captain return from their honeymoon, Maria is purposely dressed in more mature clothing than what she wore before the wedding. In this scene, she's finally in a motherly role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's much more motherly. They call her mother now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, she's much more grown up looking mm-hmm. than she was before. The reprise represents Liesel's maturity as well in the progression of her and Maria's relationship. Remember the first time Liesel sang this song, Maria was brand new in the house and didn't have her trust. Yeah. When Liesel first sang this song, she came in through the window, mm-hmm. so sopping yeah. wet, yeah. and Maria was like, hey. <clears throat> what were you doing out in the rain? And yeah. how come you're coming in my window? Yeah. You know? yeah. I, What's going on? I, and her answer to that is so funny because she's like, we all use this window. <laughs> <laughs> this, like, is, like, uh-huh. this is our favorite window to climb in. Okay. She's like, okay, now things are going to be put in my bed, like frogs and stuff, right? Yeah. She's like, okay, good to know that you guys can just come in my window. This song also leads into the scene where the captain alerts Maria that he has been drafted to be in the Third Reich Navy. From this point on, the film takes a much more serious tone as the family narrowly escapes the country. Yeah. So there's it's kind of a beautiful scene because we see Maria get to be a mom mm-hmm. for pretty much the only time. Yeah. You know, we yeah. don't really get that because it's so quick after they get married, they <laughs> yeah. escape. Yeah. So, you know, we don't see a lot of her being a mom to the kids mm-hmm. yet. And so this is like the first time where she's just like, hey, yeah, you know, it's okay. You'll find other guys. Mm-hmm. And there's this part that always makes me kind of laugh um, where she's singing about being married. Mm-hmm. And she says, you know, one day you'll get married and and she kind of looks off away from Liesel for a second and she's like, and you'll be his. <laughs> and it's just like, it makes me laugh because she has this little bit of a sour look on her face mm-hmm. when she says it. Like, yeah. And I was like, that's such a that was such a Julie Andrews moment. Like Dang. I felt like she really yeah. was like, oh, I don't like I, saying this. Mm, but she, like, what a happy adventure that yeah. would be, you know? <laughs> I was like, what time oh period goodness. are we in? I know, I know. It's it's much 
it's earlier. It's yes. the 30s, you know. Yes. I, as a kid, I don't remember this reprise as much. I totally had forgotten it even existed. And rewatching this, I really appreciate this reprise. I mm-hmm. thought it was so beautiful. And I was like, man, I wish I would have listened to this one more <laughs> more than the other one. more than the other one like the other one's cute but i'm like i really yeah this one's this one's this one's for yeah it's full of advice and yes and it's much more grown up mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah this is the first version is like from the 16 point of view turning yeah. 17 and then the next one is the 17 point of view <laughs> kind of like yeah seeing what's i was like wow well, i yeah. was a dummy when i was 16 let's let's look at 18 now yeah. you know so i'm so much smarter now yeah. yes huh. yes i love it because it's in that in the first song he's like you need someone older and wiser i'm so much older than you yeah i'm a year older than you are mm-hmm. and uh in this one it's somebody who actually is older and wiser yes. telling her what to do mm-hmm. you yes. know and i think that that mm-hmm. is a lot better and yeah. it's nice it's a nice growing up moment yeah. and i also felt like she was telling her like you know what you don't you know you can do it like you know you're enough like mm-hmm. <laughs> don't yeah. you don't you trust it, your your instincts yeah your, this <laughs> guy is not this isn't this yeah. wasn't your one shot yeah yeah like, you'll be all right so the next song is uh the edelweiss reprise so remember originally edelweiss was only in one part of the show mm-hmm. but they put it in two parts in this movie and i think that really helped a yeah. lot oh yeah. oh yeah but this is the part where it always was it was always in this scene in the movie for the second and final time, Captain Von Trapp performs Edelweiss at the Salzburg Festival. This time, the song takes on an entirely different meaning. The first time he sang the song, he sang because he wanted to. Now he's singing for his life. The song has such a strong tie to the country that he loves, a country that he has watched disappear under the Nazi regime. It's his way of saying goodbye and moves him to tears as the audience sings with him. I wouldn't say he's like crying really, but like he gets, he's definitely you know, emotional. He gets choked yeah. up a little. Yeah, like it, he stops. Yeah, like he stops singing because he realizes what's happening. Yeah, you know, and and it's just so hard for him. He's singing a song about how much he loves his country, mm-hmm. and he's watching his country disappear. Mm-hmm. And just yeah. you know, he knows that he ha- can't stay. And there's just like this beautiful moment where like his wife comes out and she's like, hey, like I'm here for you. I'll help you sing the song, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so she sings with him and then the audience sings with mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And I really like how sour it makes those Nazi recruiter guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, how like, mad they get. Yeah. They're like looking around like, yeah this is obviously I'm like, screw much. you, but screw you guys. Yeah. Everyone yeah. hates you. <laughs> <laughs> Any kind of notion that people can organize Mm -hmm. and do something Mm -hmm. together even if it's something as simple as singing a song Mm -hmm. it really ruffles the feathers of people who Mm want to be in charge and want to control yeah people because it's this idea that like you know wow if they can do this right yeah i guess people in power are supported by people and if people stop Mm -hmm. supporting them they're not in power anymore it's that same Mm -hmm. thing like those guys in that crowd we're we're not in power yeah. anymore in that moment, and that's really cool mm-hmm. for them to be able to portray that in this movie. Yeah, you know, even if just for a minute. Christopher Plummer said that he wasn't quote entirely sober for this scene. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> as the cast had been drinking to keep warm on the cold set. 
Oh. oh. Those poor kids. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, the kids couldn't do anything. Oh, boy. <laughs> because The Sound of Music was the last musical that Oscar Hammerstein worked on before his death, Edelweiss was the last song he had ever written. Oh, so sweet. Yeah. It's a very, very good song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially to be his last one. That's the best. Yeah. yeah. It's a good one to go out on. It really is. You know? The last song sung by the Von Trapps at the festival is So Long Farewell. Not only does this mirror the final moments of the first half of the film, it also is a harsh comparison between the setting when the song was originally performed and the cold, dark, rocky writing school where the festival takes place. Yeah, it's... It's very harsh. Yeah. yeah. It's so dark in there mm-hmm. and then just a bright spotlight. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, wow. It's it's crazy to think about how in at the end of the of the first half, it's almost like, is this even the same movie? At the end of the first half of the movie, they're like at this party and everyone's mm-hmm. dressed to the nines and they're drinking alcohol. The yeah. setting is different. The mm-hmm. tone is different. Yeah. And without saying, we all know what's happening as they walk off. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because they they say they're just like I think it'll work. Yeah, just mm-hmm. we got this, and we're like, what what'll work? But then as they you know each person walks off the stage and the light goes back to the middle, and then mm-hmm. you know you completely lose them. Like ah, yes. Mm-hmm. There's like see what's these, happening. These nice little subtle acting moments where the kids will run off, and you'll you'll see them look back at look the parents back. right yeah. as they walk run mm-hmm. off. The writing hall setting was very cold and damp, and the actors spent a lot of time on the set. The entire location had been carved from stone. Dang. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Not for the movie. It just already existed. Just in general. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the film's assistant director recruited hundreds of extras that wore their own traditional Austrian clothing and sat in as the audience. Nice. Yeah. That was probably really, really cool. helpful. Yeah. 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 I'm sure they did that a lot for this movie. <laughs> Just after this scene, the family hides in the graveyard, trying to escape the Nazis. This scene was filmed on a soundstage, and Robert Wise did his best to build as much suspense as possible. Ernest Lehman added the confrontation between Rolf and the captain here to add dramatic tension. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one part that kind of, I was just like, I felt tense, more and more tense as it went on, was him shaking the gate yeah. and then shining the light in. Mm-hmm. I was like, why did you check every gate? <laughs> like weren't they kind of connected like you go yeah. through one and then you could just walk through back there you yeah that's have... what it looked like yeah. yeah they weren't like separated by walls in between so it's like mm-hmm. you'd think there's only one gate to get back there to all of them <laughs> but no yes. everyone was locked and he's just For... like slowly walking and i was like stop shaking the him. gates yeah <laughs> like stop it really it. really helps i mean i think yeah. of movies where Someone's hiding in the bathroom stall, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and you right, hear right. someone kick open the first door, yeah. Yeah. kick open the second yeah. door. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that kind of thing. Like they're coming. Yeah. You know, you can feel them coming, and you know they're looking for you. It's yeah. just very, very scary. Mm-hmm. So this scene with Rolf and the captain too, they changed this a little bit. It's a little different in the in the musical. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, they we have this kind of hero moment with the captain. He kind of yeah. comes out. He confronts him. He takes his gun. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're just a kid. How about yeah. you just come yeah, with you're us? you're not going to shoot me. Yeah, yeah, come with us. Come with us. And, and you know, Christopher Plummer was talking about this scene, and he was like, the, the thing about this scene is that it's in, like, so many movies. So many movies have yeah. this scene. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and he said, but I think it was really important for it to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. This movie needed this scene. Yeah. You know, so you could kind of see... 
what a tragedy it was, really, that Rolf, he's willing to just sell them out. I mean, yeah. they would surely be. I mean, he's going to be forced to go or be executed. I mean, that, I mean, yeah. that was pretty much, those are his that options. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he even says, Rolf says, you know, we don't want them. We just want you. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works, kid. Yeah. You don't get it yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. you don't know I'm, what's happening. Yeah. You don't understand. It's a whole package kind of deal. Yeah. 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 I, I found it really interesting that the thing that sets Rolf off is the fact that the captain says you'll never be one of them. Yeah. And that's when it clicks. He's like, He's like, wait, lieutenant, lieutenant. Like, he starts like yelling, he's yeah. like, I want to be a part of it. Yeah. I want to prove that I can be a part mm-hmm. of it. Yes. And yeah. It's, it's like, like no. a spiteful thing. Yeah. yeah. If he had just walked away without saying that, maybe he wouldn't have said yeah. anything. Yeah. But he could have had more. Right. You know, he was mm-hmm. sw- being sweet on this, on um, Liesl. Liesl. And. You know, he could have gotten away with the family. They probably would have been yeah. happy to have him around. Yeah. yeah. But. Because we really don't get much of a backstory on Rolf. Mm-hmm. We no, don't, we don't. We never see parents or yeah. any kind of family structure at all. Yeah. So his family was becoming a Nazi, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, th- I think he's kind of a representation of a lot of the young boys that became mm-hmm. Nazis. I mean, I think the movie did a really good job of like, Showing mm-hmm. the audience how, mm-hmm. like, that, you know, it was the boy next door that became yeah. Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and it was interesting looking at the difference between him and the children of the Von Trapps yeah. because they were so much more shielded. Mm-hmm. It, the way they talked about what was happening was way different, mm-hmm. I feel like. Yeah. Right. It really helped that the adults in the in the kids' lives didn't also buy into it, right? Yes. Because obviously yeah. if the father had bought into it, then it yeah. would have been a whole different story. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. We learn here that the borders have been closed, and they decide to escape through the Alps. In real life, the Von Trapps actually escaped one day before the borders were closed. <sighs> kind of close. Yeah. Yep. After the Von Trapps escaped, their villa became the headquarters of Heinrich Himmler, a notorious Nazi leader. His headquarters was on the second floor of the villa, and Hitler himself visited there. After the war, the villa was returned to the Von Trapps, and they donated it to the church. In the commentary, Maria's youngest son revealed that Himmler's headquarters were turned into a chapel. Wow. Yep. He felt that it was very nice that in this room where countless death orders would have been signed and horrific, just horrendous things had been planned and carried out that now it was a chapel. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that it became a chapel. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the cast now. Yeah, let's brighten things up again. Yeah. Let's not talk about that anymore. Yeah. When Julie Andrews was cast in The Sound of Music, she was fairly unknown as a film actress. The two films she had acted in, one of them being Mary Poppins, had not yet been released. Of course, she had made her mark on the stage playing Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady, but was famously passed up for Audrey Hepburn when the play was optioned for film. Yeah. Uh. Yes, yes. She played Eliza Doolittle on stage, and then they chose Audrey Hepburn, and then she got the part of Mary Poppins because Mm. she got passed Uh. up for the Eliza Doolittle, and she won an Oscar. For it Mary Poppins. And she thanks out. them in her Oscar speech <laughs> for not casting for not her in My wow, Fair Lady. that's great. Perfect. 
that's the best like passive aggressive <laughs> way to like, be like ha. <laughs> it's like thank you for not picking. Me. <laughs> Julie had a strong connection to Maria. Both of their lives had been changed by music, and they were born exactly thirty years apart. Mm. Maria von Trapp thanked Julie for playing her as a tomboy, because it was true to how she really was. Christopher Plummer made the comment that this was the most natural role he had ever seen Julie play, that this character was the most like her actual self. And Robert Weiss also shared that Julie is as warm as her character in real life, and they remained friends after the film. Yeah, that's so that's cute. That's pretty great. It's one of those roles that's like perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? You know, we talk about this the music man and how perfect that cast is you can't change yeah. it mm-hmm. this is another one yeah right mm-hmm. andrews was jealous that other actors were able to tour the area while they were filming her schedule didn't allow her to do that even though she was very fond of her co-stars and wanted to spend time with them yeah <laughs> i mean I, yeah when you're the star of the film i mean mm-hmm. what you gonna do luckily though this is one of those things where it's like, well, she's probably been back, mm. yeah. right? Mm-hmm. She got famous yes. enough to just be like, I'm gonna well, go to, you know, I'm gonna check go, that yeah. out. I'm gonna go check at least out for the fiftieth anniversary. That's right. Thank goodness, I'm so glad. <laughs> she actually formed a singing group with some of her co-stars to keep their spirits up on long days. They called themselves the Vocal Zones which are lozenges that help relieve strained vocal cords. <laughs> nice. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I looked these up. I looked up vocal zones, and yeah. people still use them today. Vocal zones sounds like it would be like a Disney Channel oh original oh, like live action yeah. show yeah. where this family or, or maybe just kids are like secret superheroes that use like singing as their power Ooh, yeah. and they call themselves nice. the vocal zones the vocal zones we're in the zone the vocal zones exactly exactly yeah. and they do the you're watching Disney Channel classic she was 28 when she played the role meaning that in real life she was only 7 years older than the oldest Von Trapp child Liesel yeah she was 21 and Julie was 28 yeah wow <laughs> <laughs> She also at this time had a daughter that we've mentioned that was only one at the time. She would often sit on Robert Wise's knee and watch her mother during shooting. That's so sweet. Oh, so cute. cute. I wonder if I wonder if they had to like redo <laughs> scenes because they like got rambunctious or something. Yeah. She like ran onto the set. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's like, wait. No, 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 no. I was like that as a kid. I totally yeah. I ran everywhere. They mm. could not keep track of me. <laughs> yeah. It was a problem. <laughs> Dame Julie is most well known for not only this movie, of course, but Mary Poppins and The Princess Diaries. Yeah. So Christopher Plummer played Captain Von Trapp. This is going to be a fun one to talk about. Oh, yeah. He was a stage actor before becoming an actor in films and television. He has been in many things, including National Treasure, All the Money in the World, The Thorn Birds, and Knives Out. While filming the movie, Julie Andrews was actually a little struck by him. She had seen his stage performances and thought that he was a brilliant actor. He oh. was used to Shakespeare. Yeah. yeah. Some, some drama. He was not used to this. Mm-hmm. This was not his wheelhouse. Yeah. 
After seeing Christopher on stage multiple times, Robert Wise specifically wanted him as the captain. Wise saw the character as boring, and he thought Christopher would make him more interesting and add a certain darkness to the character. I think he was correct. Yeah, yeah. I'd say so. I think the 100%. Captain's, yeah, he's darker than, than mm-hmm. you would expect. Yeah. He was almost a little bit like... In the beginning, you're like, ooh, he's too serious. Yeah. I don't like it. I was afraid of him. Yeah. When I was yeah. a kid and I saw this for the first time, I actually didn't understand why she liked him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I thought he was scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting. In the, in the love song at the gazebo, yeah. they talk about when they first knew that they fell in love with each other. And yeah. she's like, when you first did the whistle. Blew that whistle. Blew that whistle. And I'm like, what? The no, liar. Liar. I don't believe you. You are a liar. Uh-oh. No. (laughs) At one point, Wise flew to London to convince Christopher Plummer to take the part. He was concerned that he he wasn't old enough to play the captain, so Wise had a makeup artist show him how he would look in age makeup. Finally, Wise convinced Plummer to take the part. Oh, interesting. He, like, had to go to his hotel room. Yeah. Like, he had to hop on a plane, fly to a different country. Wow. Just to to catch him. He tried his... His agent, he tried to get his agent to convince him to take mm-hmm. the part. He mm-hmm. didn't want to do it. He really, yeah. really didn't want to do the it. The agent mm-hmm. tried. <laughs> yeah. He famously admitted that he did not like children. He called them little monsters and saw them as inconvenient to film production due to labor laws and how long filming could be. Also, the fact that they had to go to school. That really yes. bothered him. Oh, oh yeah. He yeah. hated that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, in the commentary, he kind of laughs, but he's like, yeah, the little devils. Like, he's really like. like really, he's being serious. Yeah, he's like, but really, I, because he, he says that he gets, I despise children. I despise them. I do not like children. And I was like, oh my gosh. Wow. I never really heard someone say it. Say that. And like, actually mean it. Yeah, work. yeah. <laughs> he did end up coming to adore the children in this movie, or so he said. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> He also famously did not like this movie, often referring to it as The Sounds of Mucus or S&M. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> My guy. He would say things like, the damn movie follows me around like an albatross. <laughs> okay, first of all, that's oh the God. oldest man thing to say. <laughs> so funny. Like an albatross. <laughs> like an Oh my gosh. But yeah, he did not like this movie. And I remember because unfortunately he passed away earlier this year. Yeah. When he died, the Saturday morning radio show that my dad listens to, mm-hmm. they do they do film music a lot. And they said, In honor of Christopher Plummer, we are not going to play any songs from the sound of music today. <laughs> for two reasons. One, he didn't actually sing in that movie, so he wouldn't even be playing his voice. Uh, true. And two, because he hated that movie. And so we're not going to do that. <laughs> going to play. Oh, Even though every headline when he died, you know, Sound of Music actor Christopher Plummer yes. dies at 90. It was like everybody everybody remembers him yep. for this movie. Even in death. Yes. It follows him yep. like an albatross. Like an albatross. <laughs> and I remember reading this said, Christopher Plummer did agree that it was the most popular thing he'd ever been in. But that's where it ended. <laughs> yeah. I mean, National Treasure, though. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Plummer also was, he, he was a little difficult on this set. <laughs> you know, he would, he had been to Austria. He actually visited Georg's, like, nephew and asked him questions about him. He told him that he was the most boring man he'd ever met. That, oh, was, what, that was what the nephew told him. He said, great, wow. can't wait to play this guy. 
he had his own like traditional Austrian clothing that he'd bought when he was there. And he tried to get the costume department to let him wear those costumes. <sighs> but but Christopher Plummer did say that he felt that all of the decisions that they made were correct in the end. Mm-hmm. So he said that the, the, the muted clothing. Yeah. yeah, he said the muted clothing makes sense for the tone of the f- film and the feeling of what's going on. So, mm-hmm. But I think it's funny that he came in there with all these ideas trying to change <laughs> everything. Next, we have Eleanor Parker as the Baroness. She was actually an Ohio-born actress, and she was in many movies and TV series, including Caged, The Naked Jungle, and Escape from Fort Bravo. Next, we have Richard Hayden as Max Detweiler. He has been in Young Frankenstein, Alice in Wonderland from 1951, and And Then There Were None. After filming had wrapped, Robert Weiss had enjoyed Richard's company so much that they often would meet up to chat. Next, we have Peggy Wood as Mother Abbess. We did mention that she did not do her own singing, Mm -hmm. uh, but she's also been in A Star is Born from 1937, Mama, and The Story of Ruth. Next, we have Charmaine Carr as Liesl. The Sound of Music was her biggest role. And at the time when she was playing the oldest child, a 16-year-old, she was about 21. It was her first time away from home. In her book, Forever Liesel, she detailed her experience on the set, including interactions with Christopher Plummer that many have raised their eyebrows at. On the audio commentary, she said that he was her favorite thing about making the film. Yes. So this is a thing that people have said about this movie, that Christopher Plummer and this actress, Charmaine Carr, got along really well, Mm -hmm. and there, there are, you know, speculations about things that might have gone on but Mm -hmm. you know uh he never he said that nothing ever happened and she never said anything happened either Mm -hmm. from from what i understand Mm -hmm. just that there was some sexual tension between the two of them christopher Plummer would they all stayed in the same hotel and he would just sit at the piano in the hotel and he would just play music at at the piano and he would buy everybody drinks and he would get mad when people went to bed he wanted them to stay up with him and drink (laughs) And she was one of those people. She hung out with yeah. him. They, and she said he was very cute, and she was very struck by him. Next, we have Heather Menzies Eric as 13-year-old Louisa. She appeared in TV movies and shows and the movie Piranha. Okay. Mm. Which was probably really? a great uh, Prob- romp probably. of a horror movie with fish. <laughs> yeah. Next is Nicholas Hammond as 14-year-old Frederick. He has appeared in things like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles, <laughs> and Stealth. All right. Yeah. Those all sound like great movies, and we know that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is great. Yeah. Oh, the other sure. ones I haven't. Next is Dwayne Chase as 11-year-old Kurt. This was his biggest role. Nice. Which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then we have Angela Cartwright as 10-year-old Brigitta. She appeared in the television series Lost in Space and the movie Beyond the Poseidon Adventure. All right. Cool. Then we have Debbie Turner as seven-year-old Marta. This was also her biggest role. Man. Hmm. I mean, a movie this size. It was a big role. Yeah. Yeah. Then we have Kim Carruth as five-year-old Gretel. She briefly appeared on several television series, such as The Brady Bunch, 
the Walsons, and all my children. Aww. Then we have Anna Lee as Sister Margarita. She has been in several things, such as Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, General Hospital, and Fort Apache. Ben Wright as Her Zeller. He has done voice work in 101 Dalmatians, The Little Mermaid, and The Jungle Book. Aww. Nice. <laughs> Freaking awesome ones there. Yeah. Next is Daniel Truhite as Rolf, Liesel's love interest. This was his biggest role. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe I read that he like did traveling shows where he would like perform 16 going on 17. Oh, oh my, my goodness. Gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Next we have Portia Nelson as Sister Berta. She has been in Doctor Doolittle from 1967, The Other, and The Trouble with Angels. She was known as a comedic actress, and Julie Andrews loved the character she brought to Sister Bertha, especially at the end when the sisters sabotage the Nazis' car. I yeah. loved that. Yes. <laughs> that was so good. Like, yes. we have sinned. And they <laughs> I bring think... out these parts and, like, yes. yes! That's so yes. funny. I, I remember everybody, like, when I saw it in the theater, mm -hmm. the place just, like, erupted yes. at that part. Everyone laughed <laughs> so hard. Mm -hmm. Oh my yeah. gosh, because they're so serious about mm -hmm. it. Like, like oh, we, we've sinned. We have sinned. Yeah. But yeah, Portia Nelson really did a good job with this character, and she is very funny. She's in only mm -hmm. in a couple scenes, but you can see she's the nun that really doesn't like Maria yeah. that much. <laughs> yeah. Right. Doesn't want her around. <laughs> <laughs> Marnie Nixon was Sister Sophia. She was a well known ghost singer for the leading ladies in movies like The King and I, My Fair Lady, and West Side Story. Wise wanted her to be able to step out of the shadows for this movie and be a face that we all see. All right, now on to awards and how it was received. Well, yay! Yeah, I think we know. I mean, one of those. Yeah, right. I mean, why would we talk about it? <laughs> no, just kidding. When test audiences viewed the film, it was clear that it would be successful. But no one could have foreseen the level of success that this film would achieve. Nobody knew. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. When the film opened in 1965, audiences flocked to it. For the next four years, the soundtrack sat near the top of the Billboard charts and was number one for 70 weeks in the UK. Wow. 70 yeah. weeks. And this is during the wow. Beatles time, just in case anybody My was wondering. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Shit. It was nominated for 10 Oscars and would win five. The Sound of Music was more than a success. It was a cultural phenomenon. But critics didn't like it. Of course. Of course they didn't. <laughs> yeah. For example, in an original review for the New York Times, critic Bosley Crowther said, The adults are fairly horrendous, especially Christopher Plummer as Captain Von Trapp. Looking as handsome and phony as a store window alpine guide, Mr. Plummer acts the hard-jawed, stiff-backed fellow with equal artificiality. Damn. Yeah. Oof. That's rough. It, there were some pretty harsh reviews yeah. for this, and I, I found this one from the New York Times from 1965 because I wanted to find a review that was mm -hmm. authentic. I did not want to find a review from like 2018. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wanted to hear what people said Back the in. first yeah. time they saw this movie, mm -hmm. and 
critics were not nice about it and this was this was an example of this person liked julie andrews did not like christopher Plummer. and it's interesting because you know i've watched the movie several times now Mm -hmm. just in the past week yeah and you know i do see it like i see the parts where he's very stoic and Mm -hmm. but i honestly think that every time he made a decision to be sour stoic Mm -hmm. or you know quiet you know most of the time that worked for the character in the scene yeah. really doesn't seem to me that he did a bad job. Mm-hmm. I don't see it. I don't see mm-hmm. how he did a bad job, but I, other people thought he did. I mean, it could just be that they didn't like the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, we we're kind of meant to at the beginning. Yeah. Maria's yeah. the one who like softens him. You know, mm-hmm. it's the whole point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One critic was reportedly fired for writing an incredibly harsh review of the film. But it didn't have any effect on its commercial success. Wow. Yeah. How harsh could it have possibly been? There were other critics of the film as well. For example, the real Maria von Trapp was unhappy with the film's ending as the family escapes through the Alps. As we said last week, the family would have had to travel 200 miles on foot over the Alps to arrive in Switzerland. In response to this criticism, Robert Wise simply said that Hollywood has a way of making its own geography. Yeah, yeah how it, true. It's, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I looked at the map. I mm-hmm. pulled up the map of Austria, and I looked at this, and it is true. Mm-hmm. There is no way from from Salzburg, if they were just get the shortest way to cross the Alps, they absolutely would have gone into Germany. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I totally see why she was like, because basically what she said was, don't they have maps in America? <laughs> How do they not know that yeah. this is not, that's not what would happen? <laughs> Just, uh, it's fine. They went the long yeah. way around. Yeah. And yeah. to answer your question, no, we do not have maps in America. Yeah. No. Since the premiere of The Sound of Music, it has been translated into at least 30 languages. It was the top grossing film of all time between 1965 and 1972. Yeah. Held that spot for a bit. Yeah. The film brought thousands of tourists to Salzburg so they could visit where it was filmed. Yeah. That, Tourism went up. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that happens a lot when there are big successful movies, mm-hmm. but like the place is like real. You know, yeah. like yeah. you can't visit where the Avengers was filmed necessarily, Mm-mm. but. Stuff like this, yeah. you can definitely yeah. go see. And what's really cool about this is that it's where the actual family lived, too. It wasn't just where it was yeah. filmed. Yeah, yeah. One wonderful result of the film was an interest in the Nonberg Abbey. Many young girls all over the world saw this movie, and there were several that felt called to become nuns. The Abbey accepted several new postulants after the film's release. The mother abbess at the time of the 50th anniversary even said that they all love to sing. Another wonderful result is that Julie Andrews was told many times by people that it is the reason they went into theater, became singers, and more. Yeah, That's nice. super nice. Yeah. She's such a great role model, not just because mm-hmm. of this movie, but just in general. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. So before uh, we close this out, how do you guys feel about The Sound of Music? It's wonderful. But yeah. you all knew that. Yeah. 
I mean, I love it, and it has a special place in my heart. It's mm-hmm. one of those movies that my whole family would watch together, which seems rare. <laughs> yeah. There weren't a lot that you know we all love to watch together. And yeah, we were watching this at Mercy's house. Mercy's a condo, mm-hmm. and she lives with her brother. And I'm sorry, her brother lives with her. And yes. so he came. He came downstairs and he was like, "Are you watching Sister Act?" Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. And we said no. Sound of music, and he goes, "Ah." Oh, Sister Act's better. And then he was oh, <laughs> I mean, no hate on Sister Act, but like. Oh, my God. I made me laugh. I was like, they're very different. That's yeah. They sure. are. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I was really amazed at how quickly this movie kind of went by. Mm-hmm. You know, before we started recording this, I and, watch, and I watched it, I was like, oh, man, three hours. Of a, of a movie from the 60s, it's like, ooh, it might be a little tough. Yeah. But I was surprised at how easy it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, because the movie just goes right from the start, mm-hmm. and there are no songs that are like, ooh, I'll skip this one. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and the story is so compelling, especially after the the intermission. You know, not that it's not compelling to begin with, but, I, yeah, I was just really um, mm-hmm. impressed and how quickly it felt. Yeah. You know, like it went by, which obviously held my attention the whole time. It mm-hmm. was awesome. Yeah, I love this movie a lot. Watched it not very many times as a kid, but uh, my mom took me to see it at the Ohio Theater when I was a kid, and my sister was there, and we sat under the chandelier, and it was like the movie experience. Like, this is probably what it oh, was yeah. like yeah. when yep. this movie first came out. <laughs> very you know? classic, yeah. And it, I remember just, the, it was such a... a a defining moment for me in my life. It's such a big mm-hmm. deal. It's part of the reason why I love movies so much, honestly. I, I remember just, it was just so immersive, especially the opening. Oh, I, yeah. I, it blows my mind that anybody saw this movie in 1965, like in a theater, and didn't love it from, yeah. the, from the very beginning because yeah. that opening is so incredible. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why it's iconic. It's just, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's different. It's weird. It's a little weird, you know. She's yeah. just out in a field with her mm-hmm. arms outstretched. It's if if musicals aren't your thing, like I totally understand why you would see that yeah. and go, uh, okay, mm-hmm. you know. But I love musicals, and I just remember it was so special, and just the audience reacting to everything, laughing at every joke, you know. And then my mom having to explain Nazis to me because <laughs> I was a child. Yeah, right. I didn't understand what was happening. <laughs> You know, so it really was it's a, a big, important part of my mm-hmm. life. And I'm glad we covered it because it, I, to me, this is like the definitive movie musical. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It really, I don't know, this is such a big cultural thing. The songs are everywhere. Everybody knows mm-hmm. these songs. Mm-hmm. We've yeah. all, right? We've all heard yeah. my favorite things. And it's been parodied a billion times. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. When The Sound of Music premiered, it looked like nothing more than a blockbuster film. Critics didn't like it. It was too hopeful, too unrealistic. It was a sugar-coated view of a turbulent time, and audiences ate it up. But as time went on, it became clear that The Sound of Music was much more than that. It is a film that has inspired millions of people, and continues to do so. Its intricate sets, sweeping cinematography, and charming songs told a story that the world longed to hear. The Sound of Music is about so many things. Family, romance, war, and the healing power of music. The first act shows us a romance and a family reconnecting through music. The second half 
shows the family rely on music and each other to help them through incredible challenges. In the 1960s, Hitler and the Second World War was still fresh on the minds of many moviegoers. Some would criticize The Sound of Music for being optimistic, but audiences yearned for a happy ending. And beyond that, this is a film that undoubtedly changed lives. It influenced some to join theater, and its songs have lifted the spirits of countless people. This film has brought families together, and many of us can't separate it from some of our happiest movie memories. Even though The Sound of Music was released over 50 years ago, it is still very much alive and is still one of our favorite things. Oh. Thank you. Oh. How cute. Oh, what a great time we had, right? This, yeah. I, mean, we, I hope you made it through the two parts. Yes. Yeah. We hope you listen to both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even if you hate this movie. No, impossible. I mean, Unless you're a yeah. critic from the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> They're all listening right now. <laughs> Like these whippersnappers. How <laughs> dare they like this movie? It's terrible. Oh, so I guess it's another case closed. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Hey! Solid. Yeah, nice. Before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons Joel, John, Jacob, Jacqueline, JD, Anthony, Shelley, Linda, Bob, and Carlos. Yay. Woo! Is that too fast? Should I do it again? No. <laughs> They know who they are. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Yes. Really appreciate it. And look out for some funny videos, guys, on yeah. our Patreon. Whoa. Coming just Ooh. for you. Just for you, friends. Dude, yes. they're... <laughs> I mean... There's something else. There's something yeah. else. Yep. That's right. <laughs> and we have ideas for some out there ones. Yeah, yes. we have more ideas. I'll just, we're just so you wait. E- we're so excited just for all ha- the videos be coming. Be ready. Yeah, we're so excited. So you can now buy us a popcorn, just in case anybody has forgotten. If you at uh, buymeacoffee.com slash diary, you know, yeah. some popcorn money. Yeah. You know, yeah. Popcorn's expensive these days. You know, o- theaters are opening back up. Mm-hmm. It's now $25 to buy a bucket of popcorn. I mean, and, yeah. Ugh. I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> I mean, but practically. But pretty much. It feels like that, doesn't it? Yep. <laughs> Any day, there'll be a shortage. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you all that support us, whether it be through listening, telling a friend, or donating. We, Whatever you do, we really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Thank everything you. Everything helps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. BlackEastDiaries.com. Just go there. You'll find all of our episodes. You'll find blog posts. You'll find the blog post for this episode, yeah. which undoubtedly will have lots of information. Mm-hmm. And um, you'll also find our other show, No Small Parts. Yay. Yes, which Ooh. will next week. We'll have an episode. Ray, go check it out on that feed. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye. See ya. I shall not be seeing you again, perhaps for a very long time. I would like to sing for you now a love song. I know you share this love. I pray that you will never let it die.